0: Today is the Feast of Pentecost. When I was in the Holy Land most recently, last fall, we had a few hours one afternoon to go and visit some places that weren't on the schedule of our trip. And one such spot was a place that I hadn't been to yet, St. Mark's Church, which is the church built above the upper room. So we set out, a group of us, several of us, to find St. Mark's Church. Now, I don't know how many of you are familiar with the old city of Jerusalem, but it is not built on a grid. Also, because of the climate of that area, things are just built on top of old things. And so the walls um, that shape the city roads, which are also the sidewalks, are about eight feet wide or so. And they can twist and turn throughout the old city. We made our way with a handheld map, and there were on occasion signs that said St. Mark's Church with a little arrow, but they were more distant from one another than I'm accustomed to. And so we stopped by a store owner who was out on his sidewalk having some tea and asked him if he could point us in the direction of St. Mark's Church. And he said, Oh, yes, I can, because that's my church. And he gave us a few pointers, turn here and then go there and turn here and there, and said it very simply, and he then finished by saying, if you can't find it, come back here and I will take you there. We made our way and finally we did arrive at St. Mark's Church. The doors were ajar, but there didn't seem to be much activity as we stepped into the open courtyard. I did hear, however, some voices that were in an upper level, Closed off by a gate were the stairs that led to that upper level, but I could hear people up there talking. And so I simply yelled up, hello? I thought that was a generic enough word that most people would know what it meant and would probably respond. And in a few minutes, the conversation died down and there standing on the other side of the gate was the Syrian Orthodox priest. I asked him if it was possible for us to see inside St. Mark's Church, and he told us to wait right there. He was going to go get Maria, who was the keeper of the church. She came down, came through the gate, and asked us English, and we said yes. She led us inside to St. Mark's Church, had us take a seat. We had made sure to cover our heads with the scarves that were around our necks, because if you don't know what to do, then that's what you should do. And she only had to admonish us once when we fell into comfortableness in the sanctuary and crossed our legs, which is very disrespectful to show the sole of your shoe. So we quickly uncrossed our legs and sat there in a way that was respectable for that worship space. And then she, in English, told us about St. Mark's Church in her description of that sanctuary space, which couldn't have been much bigger than this whole area up here. She said, this is where the first Pentecost happened. I hadn't ever thought of that before. We think of Pentecost as synonymous with the coming of the Holy Spirit. But Pentecost was a feast day in the Jewish calendar, is still a feast day within the Jewish calendar. Pentecost falls 50 days after Passover. And so as we read about in the book of Acts, the Jews were gathered together for the Feast of Pentecost. All of them. And it was in that place where the Holy Spirit came and rushed through. The sound like a violent wind and something happened. People were changed. Maria reminded us as we sat there in that sanctuary space that the Holy Spirit had come before that Acts story. When the followers of Jesus were locked in a room out of fear. And Jesus came into the midst of them and breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Any sins you forgive are forgiven, any sins you retain are retained. Jesus breathed on the disciples. And by putting his very breath within them, they received the capacity to go into the world with his message. Even the power to forgive sins. This is remarkable. It occurs to me in listening to Maria talk about this was where the first Pentecost happened. I thought to myself, how many other Pentecosts have happened? The giving of the Holy Spirit in a way that transforms the very creation into that which is God's, making it new, sending it out into the world. And indeed, my friends, each of us at our baptism received the Holy Spirit. Pentecost happened for each and every one of us. Jesus came and dwelled within us as we were born, died, and raised again in the resurrection of Jesus symbolic in the water being poured over us, raised to new life. We are reminded in our baptism that we're no longer our own. We're God's. And Jesus dwells within us. And if Jesus dwells within each of us, Jesus deserves the primacy of being in each of us. We have been given the Holy Spirit to go out into the world. Now, what does this mean? What does this look like to be Christ-bearers? What does this mean for the primacy of Christ to be in us? Our baptismal covenant reminds us, gives us some simple directions to focus on as we seek to live this new life that we are in Jesus. We'll recite the baptismal covenant a little later in our service, but it reminds us each one of the commitments that we make with God's help to living Christ in the world. This is a difficult task to be sure, and one that we seriously can't undertake by ourselves. We don't have the strength to muster. Some of you might be aware that I have this bracelet on my wrist. I wear it every single day. Maybe you've seen it, maybe you haven't, but now you will notice it. I received it from a close friend after committing ourselves to something that we care deeply about that feels under attack. And so she sent it to me, her own idea, and on this bracelet says the word resist. Now when I received this bracelet, I truly was conflicted about what to do about it. I thought, I don't know how to wear this. I don't want to live my life resisting. You know, the Wonder Woman movie is out now, and you see Wonder Woman with her arms like this, and I thought, I don't want to be that. I don't want to live my life like this. I don't want to be ready for a fight at every turn. Nor do I want to be on the offensive, always making sure to put it out there first and making people feel like they have to defend themselves. I don't want to live like that. And so I looked at this bracelet and I thought, what am I going to do? And the Holy Spirit reminded me of the baptismal covenant. Will you persevere in resisting evil? And whenever you sin, repent and return to the Lord. And so I said to the Holy Spirit, but what's evil? And the Holy Spirit said, let's talk about that. this bracelet becomes a reminder of my temptation to self-righteousness. Self-righteousness is evil. It wreaks a lot of havoc in the world. Indeed, I could be justified in my self-righteousness since it's exemplified everywhere, claiming our rightness for the sake of what we believe in. But self-righteousness leads to attacking others and objectifying the others and the destruction of others. It prevents us from listening. It prevents us from being in relationship. It prevents us from being changed. And so this bracelet reminds me to resist, to persevere in resisting self-righteousness. It reminds me to persevere in resisting impatience. This usually fits hand in hand, I find, with self-righteousness. I mean, surely if everyone would just do things the way I had imagined and I'm explaining them, everything would be fine. Come on already. You changed your mind and now you're changing your mind again and now you're changing your mind back. How long will this take? But God says, have patience, persevere. I'm working in this. It takes longer than you think. So this bracelet reminds me to resist impatience. It also reminds me to resist complacency. Oh, how easy this evil is. You see, the vulnerable aren't at my door. They're not knocking. They don't call my phone. I don't even trip over them in my daily routine. It would be easy to be complacent, to be unmindful of the most vulnerable among us. And so this bracelet reminds me to resist the evil of complacency. And so I put it on every single day. Every single day, I need to be reminded of that part of my baptismal covenant. And part of that baptismal covenant is to remember that I can only do this with God's help. I can only do this with God's help. Wonder Woman doesn't exist. None of those superheroes do. But God does exist. And God is at work in the world, and we need to remember that. That's why we come together week in and week out. Again, is it Sunday? There's a list of things to do. Maybe I'll do church next week instead. My friends, we have to come together to remember who we are and whose we are. We don't have the strength to do this on our own. And when we set our sights on some ultimate goal, we lose our way. The world is changing. Every day, every week, it's changing. Things that we thought were secure are not secure. Things are developing that we didn't even anticipate. If we set our sights on what we think things should be, We are always pulled into the temptations, at least the ones I've mentioned, self-righteousness, impatience, and complacency. God is inviting us to remember our foundation. God says, set your sights on me. Think about where you are, whose you are. Then you'll remember who you are, and it is from then, from that place, that I can work. And so I remember this daily. Sometimes I take off my shoe. You can do this if you want to in your pew. I take off my shoe and I put my foot very flatly on the ground and I let my toes feel the ground, the whole bottom of my foot, so I can remember the foundation on which I, speak, I stand. And isn't that what God said to Moses? God said to Moses, when God spoke to Moses with the burning bush, God said, take your sandals off, Moses. You're on holy ground. And Moses needed that awareness. As he fought to lead people out of slavery into the promised land, as he endured 40 years in the wilderness with their complaining, even though he had freed them from slavery, they said, we're not very happy out here. Moses endured that. He couldn't do it by his own strength only by the Spirit of the living God. And when the Spirit came among those in the camp and allowed them to discover what it is God was doing in and through them, Moses said, thank you, because I'm by myself. I need these people also to understand and to catch a glimpse of who you are, God, the living God, at movement in and through us. But sometimes you can't always take your shoe off. Maybe, though, even in your pew, you can... Feel your seat. Let your derriere feel the cushion underneath you. Feel the flatness, the hardness of the wood against your back. Rest in that. Do you feel it? Also, you can do it with your breath. Opening it all the way up, your lungs, all the way to the teeny tiny parts at the end, those alveoli. I looked up the word this morning. Alveoli. Let the spirit of the living God come all the way into all those little bitty pockets Breathe it in. Because God says, I will do this. Please remember who you are. Remember your foundation. The very breath that is in you. So you can go out into the world. And be my hands and feet. And I will bring about the coming kingdom. This is what we remember on Pentecost. We remember who we are because we remember whose we are and the gift of the Holy Spirit to each and every one of us to go out into the world so that God might work through us to bring the good news to fullness. It's a generous and loving God that entrusts us with this. It's a merciful and loving God that entrusts us with this. Thanks be to God for all God's mercy and love. Amen.